0: And welcome to another episode of Spilling Eve, the podcast where we gush over this show and sometimes we drink delicious beverages. Right now we're just drinking some water. It's a hot, hot day in Toronto. And uh, my guest today is a television writer who I'm very excited to have on the show. I feel like one of the first people when I posted about this show who (laughs) responded very enthusiastically and I was like oh thank goodness someone else has heard of this show. Uh, uh, His name is Ian McIntyre and he has written on shows like Degrassi and Inspector Gadget and The Beaverton which we both worked on and I feel like that's where we kind of connected more although I don't know where we met initially.
1: I assume the Beaverton, but yeah. I can't remember for sure.
0: So, welcome, Ian.
1: Hey, nice to be here. Thank
0: you for being here. Your home is lovely. Oh, thank you. We're in the dimly lit basement. And... The dimly lit,
1: very cool basement. <laughs> oh, go Very on. not hot like the outside his basement
0: yes yes indeed oh these muggy muggy summers uh so why don't you tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself and what you do and uh yeah
1: we'll go oh gosh that. uh you mainly covered it
0: <laughs> it's <laughs> just those three things it's those three else. things
1: and other than that i just sit and stare at a wall uh yeah no, i'm a television writer i have been for a few years now uh before that i did a lot of live comedy here in toronto um yeah. <laughs> That's great. That's really about it.
0: And how did you discover this show?
1: I discovered it uh, through my wife, who has much better taste than me. <laughs> uh, she had heard about it, I believe, on NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast, because they were, like, right on top of it. It's good. I feel like it, it had aired for, like, two weeks just in the UK, and they already did an episode about it. And then because uh, we're always looking for new shows to watch. And she was like, let's find this thing. And then we obtained it through means. And then uh, we watched it week to week after that because we were immediately hooked.
0: Yeah, it's so good. And were you guys familiar with any of Phoebe Waller-Bridge's other work?
1: I was not. Okay. I'd heard of Crashing mm-hmm. and I'd heard the name Fleabag Uh And I think Jen knew her from something else, but we had not watched any of her shows.
0: Have you watched any of those yet?
1: No, no. Crashing is on my Netflix uh, list thing, and Mm -hmm. Fleabag I can't seem to track down. Uh, They seem much more British than this. They're
0: very British, and they're very... They're much more comedic. Sure. They're still dry and Mm -hmm. dark, but they are like comedy i would say uh fleabag was adapted from a one woman show oh yeah and so there's a lot of like breaking the fourth wall and i like that yeah it's and and phoebe waller bridge is the star of fleabag and right right she's yeah. just a phenomenal performer
1: i'm so. embarrassed to say i think the thing i've watched with the most phoebe waller bridge in it is a uh, solo star- a star, star wars, wars? Movie. yeah yeah yeah. so that's bad
0: i mean she's also very good at that as a like my robot. second
1: favorite part uh, although I didn't really care for that film.
0: Uh, we'll get into that <laughs> on another podcast. We could talk for a long time. <sighs> uh, producer Chris and I saw that in New York at the uh, Alamo Draft House. And it was our first time going to one of those theaters. Amazing. And they are mind-blowing. They're yeah. like... The best Have you ever been to one?
1: I've only heard of them And they sound phenomenal Oh
0: The best way to see a movie It's so funny to be at a movie theater Where there are signs And people constantly reminding you Like if you talk We will kick you out And <laughs> you don't get money <laughs> This back. is what I keep hearing about it yes. And you know You can order drinks And a full menu at any time But it's all done silently Oh it's because you
1: have to do the, like Pantomime Or just pointing at a, a sheet there, At
0: least at the New York one we went to There's a, a whole system Where you write On a menu card And you put it up And it's dimly lit So they can see that your menu card is up and they just come grab it and then they bring you your stuff it it was a delight anyway i think it really elevated that movie for me because i was having a lot of you know overall spritzes and
1: oh excellent uh, oh really oh yeah oh nice my wife loves those uh shout out to
0: emma hunter also a big fan the
1: aperol spritz huh yeah excellent good to know
0: so we are here to talk about episode four Mm -hmm. sorry baby written by george (laughs) k who wrote two episodes in okay. the season of killing Eve. And this one was directed by John East, who directed three of the episodes gotcha. the season.
1: So just to check, um, cause I never really looked that much into the writing staff of the show. How many writers did they generally have? <sighs> That's a
0: great question that I should have the answer to. And don't cause
1: in my mind, I'm just picturing Phoebe Waller bridge, like writing every script. But... Me too.
0: And watching it through the first time, I kind of thought that because she has written so much of her other stuff. Exactly. But she was the showrunner, and I believe she wrote the first two episodes okay. and then a few more later on. That fits. Um, Yeah, which makes sense for normal TV. Especially for like
1: an eight-episode run.
0: Totally. And she's shooting solo and doing all these other things. Yeah, you're right. Uh, But George, uh, George K. wrote two of these episodes. The last episode was written by a writer who was a story editor on her other shows. Okay, So... I don't know. I'd be very interested to learn more about that writer's room because I don't think there's a lot out there yet about it.
1: Interesting. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, my understanding is that a lot of British shows have pretty small rooms. Totally. Uh, especially because like shorter episode runs <laughs> yeah. and all that kind of thing. Eight
0: episodes instead of like 22. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Yeah, but it's interesting. So this director is the same person who directed episode three as well. Okay. And watching it, because I also recently watched that one, it was really interesting because both of these episodes I find have a bit darker of a feel and aren't quite as funny Mm -hmm. in the writing and in the way it's shot. It gets a little more serious. Well, yeah, Uh,
1: this is definitely where the show like kicks up a notch in terms of stakes and sadness. They're
0: like, oh, yeah, this is funny, but also we're going to like fuck it up. Yeah,
1: people you like will die. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, Bill's death is such an intense, shocking out of nowhere.
1: I miss uh, Bill so much already.
0: Oh. Totally. So for episode three we had Adele Dix and we <laughs> were talking about how jarring it is for them to introduce you to a character and then so quickly be like, Nope, you shouldn't have grown to love them because they're gone. This isn't a secondary character for the whole series. Yes. Which is intense and it's it's pushy for the show to do that.
1: And it definitely like in terms of you know, super archetypal storytelling of like she's here's her mentor and now her mentor's gone. Totally. Although really um, God, I'm terrible with the names Oh, on it's this fine.
0: Show. I have a cheat sheet if uh, you want.
1: Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Ooh, I like that. Uh, yeah, Fiona Shaw uh, is Carolyn. Like, yeah. that's really her mentor, ultimately. But uh, Bill just kind of seemed like...
0: Oh yeah, her
1: starter mentor, I guess.
0: Totally, and like such a grounding force in mm. her life, and someone she could be so real and vulnerable with. So that's a. This is a great place to start because this is where the episode starts. We yeah, yeah. open at Bill's funeral. Yeah, yeah, which after his like shocking, jarring nightclub death, now with we're his silly hat. Oh my gosh, I,
1: I loved his clubbing <laughs> hat
0: i hated it which was a good thing but that's
1: why i loved yeah. it because it's just so like oh middle-aged guy <laughs> trying to go undercover in like a nightclub like
0: you're looking real cool guys yeah
1: you're you stand out so badly <laughs> sweet sweet bill
0: yeah. uh so we're at the funeral we're back in reality it kind mm-hmm. of felt like the nightclub's such a heightened adventure sense and now we're back we're in england we're in this like sad real moment. Yeah. And Eve is obviously very upset and it's Frank is giving the eulogy or a
1: eulogy. I love how hard they leaned into like it seems so obvious in retrospect but in these first four episodes just how much Frank is the f- goddamn worst.
0: Oh my it is so funny and it is also like it's such a good device because of course that's the last person who should be giving this eulogy. Of course. Because it's like douchey boss they all it. Yeah. Including Bill. Bill like, hated would Frank. not want Frank to be doing this <laughs> and he's giving just the like driest speech and kind of like making like, fun so of trite. him so trite yeah and, exactly like, but doesn't know enough about him to really say anything of value and uh, he was upset obviously and she leaves and she says uh, to Elena that she wants to like kill villanelle yeah, That's yeah. what she wants she's With like her bare hands yeah yeah it's such an intense moment <laughs> she's like i want justice and retribution basically <laughs> uh and then we right away we flip over to villanelle back at her beautiful Parisian flat. The way that this is shot is so funny because it's so gorgeous. And if you just saw the first few moments of the the Paris flat all decorated, Mm -hmm. it looks like a short film or like Mm -hmm. some kind of art piece. It's beautiful. And she's got it, balloons everywhere. And we see that she's wearing sort of like a Constantine
1: first we see Constantine wandering in and being like why the hell is there a birthday party and then her showing up dressed as him to celebrate his birthday which it is not
0: yeah it's not his birthday she's thrown this huge party (laughs) for just the two of them she's wearing a beard she's so funny she's kind of like moving around like him she's just having the most delightful time of her life Uh, and he is obviously not super impressed. He's there to <laughs> scold her anyway. Mm-hmm. She like makes him open the presents she's bought him and she's really buying into this whole party thing and he tells her basically she's in trouble because he knows that like they they know, all the higher up whoever's, mm. know that she used Eve's name for this last hit she did.
1: Right, right, right. right
0: which yeah. was obviously not something she should have done, something that just drew attention to herself.
1: Yeah, she's not great at the secret part of secret agent. Or... No,
0: she doesn't give a shit did. She's just like, I'm going to have fun, and I'm above any law mm-hmm. and anyone's rule. Uh, <laughs> but he tells her, and he kind of threatens her, and is like, hey, like y- you're not better than this, and you're you're replaceable. And he's very stern. And there's this shift of power, and we kind of feel like, oh, she's been put in her place. And as he's starting to leave, she just very casually brings up the gift she got him should be given to his daughter. Yes. And we see his face
1: drop. And I he's love like, that. Oh, fuck. This yeah.
0: assassin who can kill anyone knows I have a kid.
1: Oh, and the fact that she like leans so hard into it of like, did you think I didn't know anything?
0: Yeah. She's like parroting back his words to him. It is such a chilling moment. uh uh-huh. Especially because up to this point, I mean, we've seen them go up and down in their relationship, but it's always been very like there's like this baseline of caring underneath yeah. it. And now it's like, Oh, she might kill your kid. Like she's on She's a psychopath.
1: Well, that's what I, and I love on this show too. Just how many relationships you see that seem so cliched, like even bill. And, and it turns out that they're actually much more equals than you would assume from the beginning. And then like, uh, uh Villanelle and Constantine and just how much she's relentlessly trying to undermine him oh, and yeah. show him how much she wants to do it. Like, It's fun to her to show him how much she doesn't fear or respect him.
0: Yeah, she likes to fuck with him. And, like, she clearly likes him. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. But that doesn't mean anything to her. Yeah. Like, it doesn't mean that he's out of her reach or safe in any way. Uh, And he basically tells her she's on, like... She's being demoted because she's been bad. <laughs> yes. And she has to carry out a hit with a, a team instead of just getting to do it herself. <laughs> the
1: assassin penalty box. Is yes, where, yeah. Which
0: is so funny. And so we see her, she she heads to go do this hit, and she doesn't know who the team is, and she meets a guy who we find out his name is Diego. And he just seems <laughs> like this boring dude. He's like very like power play, trying oh, to yeah. seem intense, which of course just makes her more annoyed and like less impressed with him. And we meet the third person on the team who is Nadia, we mm-hmm. find out, and is someone who right away we see like, oh, there's some kind of history with oh, Villanelle and Nadia. Nadia is so upset. <laughs> Nadia, when she you sees never Villanelle had a <laughs> there. And it's, it's really intense and we don't know. And there's this kind of fight, uh, and, and they don't know who the hit is on mm-hmm. either. They don't have a name yet. Uh, And then we're back to Nico and Eve and Nico's confronting Eve Mm. about lying about Bill's death Yes, because he's not an idiot. He knows the shit is happening. He knows Eve's not being honest about it.
1: Well, I mean, even Bill went on a business trip and then came back and Bill was dead. (laughs) There's not a lot for Nico to parse out
0: there. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And she's just like not talking to him about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Nico's also not the most understanding in terms of his wife is now a secret agent. She, he shouldn't even
1: know that. Like, it's so weird because on one hand, I mean, obviously, my I want my sympathies to lie with Eve because she's the, the name of the show. But <laughs> at the same time, like, I get where Nico's coming from. Like, if, if my wife or a spouse or whoever it was, like, if they told me, by the way, I am now doing a job that's intensely dangerous. Yeah. Yeah, I'd have a... He- I might have a problem with that. Oh,
0: yeah. And, and because Eve is not... She's very blase about it. She kind mm. of is like, whatever. It's not that <laughs> dangerous. Don't worry. Instead of being really honest with him about it, she's sort of trying to cover it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is interesting. And he says, like, the job is too dangerous for her. And she just sort of, like, won't hear it. Even though she's so devastated from Bill's death, this is only really motivating her more, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we find out that Villanelle... We're back to team assassin and Villanelle and the other female assassin Nadia have this history and we get hints that they were a couple and the guy is now a couple with Nadia and doesn't love that so now we're in this weird like love triangle but they're there to kill someone and they find out villanelle finds out uh they've been sent to kill like a british intelligence
1: officer yeah. and Which so she just got in trouble for oh but.
0: yeah it's true she went rogue and did it and now it's a job now it's Ugh. yeah when the higher ups say it's okay <laughs> uh but she freaks out because yeah. who is is it eve who is who is she being sent to kill um the tensions are so high in that van i love that they're in a van it just makes it feel so
1: it's such a crappy Van too.
0: It's so juvenile <laughs> Yes. Like what are you Are you guys camp counselors? Why are you being here? It's such a It's juxtaposed with all of her other kills where she's mm. Just like this flawless assassin who sneaks In and out of places. Yes
1: this one Feels so much more mercenary than Any of the other ones.
0: Totally and very Clunky not yes. like this amazing Team <laughs> Um. So it also
1: makes me wonder why Did they need three High level Russian assassins to kill Frank
0: well, when we get to the killing part, maybe we can touch on that because they're not great at yeah, it. Yeah, fair point. And maybe that's partly because of their infighting, but <laughs> it seems like one of them should be able to just, like, shoot him. Yes. Uh, and they can't. Uh, So then we're back with Eve. Eve's upset because of the fight, and she's unpacking, and she starts to unpack her bag that was lost in Berlin and has been sent back to the house and realizes oh shit, this has been sent from Villanelle. All my clothes are gone. They've all been replaced with like very expensive, much nicer designer clothes. Uh, that is
1: my favorite Eve line in this whole episode when she's explaining to her uh, colleague what's the clothes. She's yeah. like, and it was full of new clothes. Like, really great clothes. Like, <laughs> yeah. she can't resist commenting on just how amazing oh, Villanelle's yeah. choices were.
0: Like, she's not going to wear these clothes. No. But she kind of wishes she could. Yeah. Which is so good. And just, like, builds into their weird relationship and obsession with each other. Mm-hmm. There's also a perfume, La Villanelle, with this <laughs> card with cursive handwriting that says, Sorry, baby. Yeah. It, which is just Healing.
1: Also, the song they were playing during that, I had to look it up. It's like, it sounds very 1960s. It's actually from like 2013. Uh, It's such a cool, like, weird, sexy, Um, oddly scary song. The
0: way they use music in this show is so good.
1: I love how so much of the music just has this like mid 90s, like, drum and bass British house music, like, very Portishead, massive attack. (laughs) like tricky kind of stuff. And it's, I never would have pegged that for a spy show. And I love every, every musical choice they make. And
0: then they'll just do like French pop music at inappropriate times. It's, it's really good. So Eve gets her team on the case. Basically Nico Mm -hmm. starts to come in. She's like, get out. She gets her team on the case. She's like, so this happened. We got to figure out what the hell's happening. And, uh, they do some research. The team uncovers that, uh, some weird, uh, payments have been made to Frank's kids' school from, like, the Cayman Islands, and it's all very suspicious and they're looking for this potential mole. Uh, so, they basically are like, oh shit, it's Frank.
1: I will concede. I, f- I get why you want that to happen so quickly in the episode. I felt like that came together really easy.
0: They basically just say to her, like, oh, it's Frank. Yeah, like,
1: like oh, we looked at a computer and looked at numbers and it's Frank now. Go.
0: Yeah, 100%. Uh, and, uh, Ooh, I can't read my own notes.
1: What happens next?
0: What does this say? Eve tells Carolyn, well, they are, oh, well, they're at the butcher's. There you go. I yes. read beaches. I was like, I don't think that's right. Uh so, you can remember that. Yeah. So Eve and Carolyn have one of these like clandestine spy meetings in front of a butcher case. And Carolyn just keeps pointing out like meats and things to try to make it casual. And Eve doesn't care. She's just frantically trying to give her the intel. I also
1: love that Eve is like trying to walk her through every step. And Carolyn's like, I don't, I don't care. Just don't get to the end. To get know. to the end. What's the finish? Like, yeah. you're building to a thing, and I know what you're building to. Just tell me the name.
0: Uh, yeah, totally. So then we're back with uh, Villanelle, and it's very... This episode... They all are, but this episode in particular is very snappy. We only mm. get a short time with each really of the true, sides. It's true, actually, yeah. Um, which is interesting, because they end up coming together in such a, like, dramatic fashion. Mm. Uh, but the hit's about to go down, and... Villanelle's kind of flirting with Nadia, and it's it's very weird. Their whole dynamic with the three of them is strange, and it's clear that this male assassin's been a little douchey to Nadia. He keeps
1: calling her pumpkin, and she doesn't care for yeah, it. Yeah,
0: he's like a little condescending.
1: Oh, he's a big time condescending. Oh, he
0: thinks he's pretty cool. Is my <laughs> impression. I was like, I know exactly who this guy is. Ugh. They go to do the hit, and Elena ends up going with Eve to find Bill because Mm. he's not at his house so they're like okay we're gonna go to like his country home his mother's house whatever Mm. they get in a car they're like cool road trip Elena's so excited she never gets to go out of their terrible little office um (laughs) Meanwhile, that is also who the hit is supposed to be on, we find out right around the same time. So Villanelle and Nadia uh, go into the house to, to get him to kill him and his mother opens the door and it's very awkward and Villanelle seamlessly puts on this sweet British accent and I wrote down what were the names
1: they used. Oh, uh, uh, it's something in Fanny. Yes,
0: yes. Natalie. She says her name's Natalie and Nadia is Fanny. And right away Nadia's like, Ugh. And then it just keeps coming up, which is great. Because this episode's so dramatic and not as funny, mm. those little moments to relieve tension are so welcome. You're like, <laughs> ha, 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 she's well, making fun of you.
1: When her yeah, when, when she's on the phone talking to Frank and she's like, The two women from your office, Natalie and Fanny. <laughs> No, Fanny is her name. <laughs> yeah. like,
0: She's like wincing. She gives her
1: such a mean look at uh, at Villanelle. And Villanelle's like, what? Funny.
0: Yeah, yeah. So the mom is calling, calling Frank, and he, she's like, "Sorry, he's not here. She's not here." But at the same time, Kenny is tracing this call because they are also looking at this house, and he tells Eve that the call was made to a phone that's also in the house—a yeah. cell phone in the house. So Eve is so confused and is like, "Oh, I don't know if he knows we're coming because to confront him." Mm-hmm. Um, Meanwhile, Villanelle and Nadia, expert assassins that they are, start to piece together that his car is still there, and things yeah. seem a little suspicious. And it, it just escalates so fast. Frank drives away; he escapes the house. I was
1: amazed that he got away so effectively. I I thought that they would have been more on top of him, but
0: I am at what I thought was if. Villanelle was there alone. I feel like she would have just killed the mother and then yes. gone and killed him. Absolutely. But I thought with the whole sort of like Scooby-Doo gang of them there and trying to do it together maybe that Throwing in a off
1: rickety
0: again. van, yes. Yeah, exactly. Wow, the parallels. <laughs> uh, so he gets away. They start chasing him. Eve and Elena see that Bill's on the run. They think he's just running from them, so they start chasing him. And then we've got this weird chase scene. Uh, it's very intense. Bill manages to keep getting away. Uh, and at the same time, Villanelle is really encouraging Nadia to kill her boyfriend, the other assassin they're there with. And she says... The, at one point, he, Diego says, Diego? That's yeah. right. Uh, he says something like, they told me one of you aren't important. Don't make me guess which one. Huh? Very threateningly. And then Villanelle says, I was sent for Nadia. Which is not true. She absolutely wasn't. She is in trouble and she's here as like a punishment. <laughs> but of course, then that ingratiates Nadia to her. Yeah. And Nadia has already got all this like animosity towards the sky. And so they both kind of like, turn on him Mm -hmm. and it seems like villanelle's gonna kill him they they there's a real like standoff guns pointed and then nadia ends up shooting him spoiler alert if you haven't seen this whole show remember we spoil everything on this podcast oh my god
1: if you're only getting mad about spoilers (laughs) at this point we've really (laughs) laid out most of it
0: i mean we're gonna talk about the whole series and spoil even more uh but yeah so it's so dramatic and then they have this kind of sweet reconciliation mm-hmm. and it seems like they're in love and we get that they were like a real couple before mm-hmm. and we uh villanelle implies that she sort of broke Nadia's trust and she's going to have to regain it oh, yeah. Uh, and it's it's very uh weird and sweet
1: oh yeah and
0: you see this like what seems so genuine and this really, like, beautiful connection between the two of them. Meanwhile, Frank has, like, left his car and is ru- running away.
1: Um, I think at this point he's, like, yeah, he's hiding, hiding in very the bushes. nearby. Yeah. He didn't get far. He's
0: on the phone with Eve because they've called and Eve has said, uh, like, hey, stop running. We're not, we're not going to do it. We just need to talk to you. And yeah. he's, like, no, I'm, like, being chased and I'm going to be murdered. Yeah. Eve kind of clues in and she's trying to talk him through it but she doesn't know what she's doing. Like she is in no way qualified to help him. I thought it was madness that he was on his phone. I was like, the first thing you should probably do is hang up your phone or like mute it or something. Yeah, I would think they'd
1: be tracking him or so
0: afraid of like a ringtone going off. That's my anxiety and her. <laughs> oh, Frank definitely coming would out. have his phone
1: on silent. He's the kind of guy who would forget to do that for sure. Yeah. Frank seems like the least good intelligence agent that we've seen in this show. Uh, and that's saying something. He
0: is terrible. Yes. And just boring. Oh yes. In such a comedic way. Uh so so then uh, we're like, okay, this is sweet. They they steal Frank's tr- car SUV thing. They're like, okay, hey, we're going to take this. Uh, Villanelle's very flirty with Nadia and is like, oh, put these in the back and we'll go on a trip and it's going to be so <laughs> romantic and we'll f- fly first class. And then she runs her over the with best. the car. Just backs up crushing her body. I, when I first watched that, I was so shocked. In a way, I shouldn't (laughs) be. I know what this show is. They haven't, but like, it's so heartless and out of nowhere and cold.
1: Oh, yeah. But I think that was the game she was playing the whole time. It wasn't just, I'm going to kill these other two because I resent having to work with them. She's like, what's the funnest way I could kill them?
0: Oh, yeah.
1: And it was to turn them against (laughs) each other and then murder her after she thinks you're taking her back.
0: Oh my... Like, just... Just devastating. Just so cold. And she's... She's, like, so... Chill about it and does not care, except it kind of messes up the car, and then the car's broken. Always oh, that would
1: hap- I thought the car fell- ran out of gas or something.
0: I assumed it was because there was like <laughs> a body in the back wheel. It kind of like messed it up. Amazing, because she seems so surprised that the car yeah. wasn't working. So she gets out on foot and she starts this like foot pursuit of Frank.
1: Well, yeah, isn't it at that point that Eve is like, you have to make a run for it, and that's when she sees him. Yes. And then yeah. So
0: Eve is giving bad advice that's letting Frank be seen. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Villanelle happens to, like, break the car and see him at the exact right time. She starts pursuing him on foot. He starts barreling forward. Eve and Elena are with Kenny on the phone trying to figure out where to go so they can get him. They're giving him directions like, go north. He's has no idea where he is. There's no way of orienting <laughs> yeah, it's a little himself. It's of a big
1: British field.
0: Yeah, it's so funny. And They're he's like, like, what? And she's like, oh, yeah, right. There's Ugh, a post gonna...
1: with a bag on it, I think. <laughs> and he's like, I think I see it.
0: Yeah. Uh, so he starts running. He gets to the car, which I did not think. I was like, there's no way that's going to happen. It does, which I thought was really interesting writing. He gets in. They're like, go, go, go. And Villanelle is right there. And she starts making direct eye contact with Eve. Yeah, Which this is the first time they've seen each other in person together like i've made eye contact like that since since, the pilot since the bathroom yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah shit
0: unless they maybe glimpsed each other in the nightclub but i feel like that wasn't right it definitely wasn't as intense yeah uh so she villanelle lifts up her gun and she fires a shot and that's the end of the episode That is which like what a way to go yeah it was great Mamma mia i was i finished that episode and i was like oh i have to watch the next episode right now. I'm so afraid.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, again, we were watching week to week and we were like, what? No.
0: <laughs> That's <laughs> I why I want all shows to be bingeable. I yes. don't have the patience or the heart. What an episode.
1: Great episode. What a
0: time. Uh, So what were your thoughts in but- general?
1: Oh, God. Uh, I love this goddamn show. Am
0: I allowed to swear on your podcast? Uh, No, please. We're going to have to start over. I'm kidding. I'm
1: kidding. Okay. I wasn't sure if you meant that. Um. I I fucking love this show. Uh, Like you said, like... uh, Compared to other episodes, this wasn't the most action-packed or eventful episode. I still felt like it was incredible. And I've watched a lot of shows, especially streaming shows recently, where uh, just... Nothing happens. Mm -hmm. I hate watching a 13 episode season where nothing is happening for episode on episode on end. Luke Cage season two. I'm looking at you. (laughs) This show, like, even when there's not a ton going on, it's so compelling and so exciting. And the performances and wit elevate all of it. Uh, I thought this was a great episode. Uh, it's it's almost the closest I think that this show gets to a procedural episode. Totally,
0: because so much development is happening in terms of getting Villanelle and Eve together and figuring out who this mole is. And but,
1: yeah, but like for lack of a better term, it's like we're really just kind of watching a, both of them in a day on the job.
0: That's that's a really good way of putting it. Yeah, yeah it's like
1: Eve putting a thing together and figuring something out, and her t- doing a murder. And, you Doing know. a little murder. And then, yeah, like, they come together in a head at the end, but, it, it, yeah, it's not, like, a huge, like, overarching plot episode. Totally.
0: Or a, a huge surprise out of nowhere. They're really kind of, like, following through on the promises of the last episode. Yeah. Uh, which which is good, because Bill's murder was such a big, important thing that happened in such a crucial plot point, I think.
1: And great to see them sit in that, too. Like, really. <laughs> as opposed to just being like, oh, darn you. Now we're back to work. Like, again, this show just... It uh, it builds on itself so effectively and so elegantly. Uh, Jodie Comer was robbed of Golden Glow or uh, sorry Emmy, Emmy nominations. Yeah. Uh, she deserved it. Just as much as Sandra O oh, in my opinion yeah
0: I th- I th- I've said this before on the podcast but I truly think it's one of those cases where like next season she'll get a nomination oh, she because she deserves it regardless of how the mm. performances are I'm sure they'll be great next season too but it's just one of those like it was too small a niche of a show not enough people know about it yet they were already giving Sandra O oh a nomination. I feel like that's kind of a orphan black
1: but I do I do think it is so brilliant though of them. If, if they had any eye towards, like, North American success to have Sandra Oh in this show, just because she is so, just one of those people who's been working for so long and is never the lead of anything, but everyone loves her and respects her work so much.
0: Well, she's such a phenomenal actor. Yeah. It's like there's no reason that she hasn't been the lead of anything to it, this
1: point. Exactly. But she's always one of the best things in everything she's in. And, uh, I just love that they were finally like, no, it's it's your time to be the lead of a thing. Totally. And to see her play a character that's so often so low status,, uh, is so fascinating to me because I think of Sandra O oh as like, Confident and fierce and like awesome, intense, and intense, yeah,
0: yeah. And we're constantly seeing Eve so like beaten down or confused or making the wrong decisions and messing yeah. things up. And I think this is like my favorite, maybe except for the finale, my favorite sort of cliffhangery ending.
1: Oh yeah, no, it's uh, a really, really nice uh, act out. Oh, it just makes out. yeah,
0: it makes it makes me desperate to watch more, which is great.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's
0: pretty exciting. Where Bill's death. I was shocked and I was, I wanted to find things out, but it bummed me out a little bit.
1: Yeah, I can uh, see that. Um, I'm trying to, I don't know, you'll talk about this in the next podcast. I'm just trying to remember for my own purposes how this actually plays out in yeah. the episode. But yeah, anyways. Yeah, it's it's good. Yeah. Uh,
0: okay, so that's, that's the episode. Let's move on to some segments. So uh, the first segment is Top Line. So were there any lines in particular that stood out? Anything you remember?
1: I mean, again, I just loved Eve's having to point out how nice the clothes, like, really great clothes. <laughs> she, she, it's, I mean, that's to me, that's the thing about Eve, is that it's not only that she is talented at her job and really knowledgeable and skilled, it's that she has a glee for it. Oh, like yeah. She, she likes what she does, and she likes when people let her get excited about it. And that's kind of why Carolyn picks her out at the beginning in that first episode. She's
0: like a... Fan of this stuff,
1: a fan of it exactly. Yeah. She kind of fangirls out totally uh, from time to time, and I, I like when she kind of dwells on details like that. Uh, it always just cracks me up.
0: Oh. It's so good. And I mean, fashion plays such an important part in this show. And I haven't really touched on it in the podcast yet. I feel like I need to get some. Maybe I'll get a costume designer on. I need to get someone who knows a lot more about clothes than I do uh, (laughs) to talk about it. I am the wrong
1: person. (laughs)
0: Yeah. You and me are like, pretty good clothes. Uh, I really loved the line at the funeral. Not funny at all. But when she says, I want to kill her. With my bare hands. It's so visceral. Mm -hmm. intense, And you just like. I empathize with Eve in that moment. And it's like. Oh. This just got. This went from being like a fun. Interesting thing. To being so personal. And she feels like she's been so hurt.
1: Well I love what a strong jump it is. Because. I mean in the beginning. She's such a fan of the work that she gets to do. And intelligence. And all this kind of spy craft. But she always sees it very intellectually. Or like academically. Like I'm in an office. Figuring stuff out. And it's neat. Uh, And this is the first time that, like, not only has she had her life put in danger, but that she's seen someone she cares about get murdered.
0: She suffered a loss directly because of this person.
1: And instead of shrinking from it, the fact that she just doubles down so hard and is like... I want to get involved. I want to do a murder myself with my bare hands. (laughs) And she means it. She really means it. Oh, yeah.
0: It's not funny. It's just intense. Yeah. Uh, It's so good. And then the one funny line I liked... I mean, all the fanny stuff was great. I'm a child, so I find that I hilarious. Uh, but Carolyn says when they figure out that they think it's Frank who's been sort of oh, yeah. telling the secrets, she says uh, this: "It's disappointing that the mole is the one who looks most like a rodent." Yeah, which is weird
1: throwaway thing to say just everyone dunks on frank in this episode constantly <laughs> like, i love it
0: even his boss who up till now we've only <laughs> seen them in very professional settings getting along being serious together it's like even carolyn hated that guy oh yeah uh but it's great. almost
1: just it's just so funny too that it's like it, at the beginning of this episode if someone had gotten me to choose who i thought the mole was i'd be like well, Frank's the character I like the least, so it's probably not him. That's too obvious. Yeah. And they're just like, no, man, it's him. It's, it's the guy him. you like the least.
0: Yeah, It's like, who would do that? Ugh, this fuck face. Uh, okay, next segment, top ship. Ian, do you know what it means to ship
1: two people? Uh, I I worked on Degrassi, and 90% of my job was shipping people, um, so yes, yes I do. Uh,
0: that's so good to know. (laughs) As an older millennial, I feel very out of touch, and I try to explain this, or ask people to explain it to me on this podcast. I
1: am old enough to barely be classified as a millennial, so yeah. I mean, I mean, shipping is like, in theory, it's two characters that you want to see in a relationship, like a romantic relationship (laughs) together, and usually they get a fun portmanteau. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, like... Like Eve or something like that. Uh, Or uh, Carolank, if (laughs) Carolyn and Frank were going to be a thing.
0: Oh, that would be such a bad couple. That's the worst
1: ship name of all time. (laughs) Carolank. I will never forget the best joke about that I ever saw in anything a million years ago. It was on the old Colbert Report. It was like, he was talking about celebrity couples. And there was like Benefer. And another one, and Felicity Huffman and William H Macy, <laughs> and they were William H Muffman, <laughs> and it, like uh, he said it, and couldn't stop laughing yeah. for like half a minute.
0: Yeah, that's really good.
1: Uh, so I love I love those kind of names. Um, so when you say best relationship in the show, do you just mean like two characters bouncing off each other, or do you mean like who I want to see like get it on?
0: So I will say we leave it very open to interpretation. If there is a cup, if there are two characters in this show that you're like, I'd love to see what that relationship is like. Great. If it's just uh, two people who you thought had a really interesting dynamic, we're real loosey goosey hmm, with the term.
1: That's a really good question. Um,
0: I can go first. Yes, please else, do. Because I definitely have mine. I'm thinking. Mine in this one, weirdly and maybe mm, grossly, was for a bit, Villanelle and Nadia. Oh, yeah. Because I was like, cool, love seeing this history, love seeing Villanelle be kind of vulnerable and sweet with someone Mm -hmm. in a... Not in a way that felt genuine and clearly was not. Uh, And it was a little sexy. I was like, yes, very, very interesting. We know that she's interested in women. We've seen her with women before, but it's been uh, kind of vague and very one night standy up to this point. And now we see like, oh, this was someone who was probably like her girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So that was mine for this one.
1: I loved watching the relationship too, just because, and maybe like, I'm trying to remember the first time I watched this episode. I'm going to pat myself on the back and give myself the credit for this. Because this time when I watched it, I think I pegged right away like, oh, yeah, she's messing with her. Yeah. Like, they definitely had a relationship. But right now, I don't buy for a second that she means anything that she's doing. They're not
0: going to go to on a vacation on a together.
1: vacation she's literally just like what is the most fun way for me to get rid of these two chuckleheads? uh I'm gonna turn her against him and make, make her, her kill him make her kill him and then I'm gonna kill her yeah after I mess with her for a little bit longer uh it's just I love how good this show is at making you getting you inside Villanelle's head and and watching kind of the wheels move totally and I, mean, I
0: feel like some of the times I see it and I feel like I'm so on board and other times things just shock me and surprise mm-hmm.
1: me because she's never not a psychopath. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, she she's a murdering psychopath, but at the same time, I'm usually like, oh, I get what you're doing. I get why this is fun for you, and I get what your objective is.
0: Totally. Well, I mean, for me, it goes back to that opening scene in the pilot with the little girl and the ice cream. And watching that the first time, I thought like, okay, I get it. She's someone who can't feel emotion, and she's like pretending to, but she's a monster. <laughs> and now, this far into the show, I'm like, no, I think this is someone who deeply feels emotion. I just think yes. she's really really disconnected from it and able to compartmentalize mm-hmm. and isn't necessarily doesn't necessarily have a conscience or a sense of ethics with it.
1: Oh, absolutely. But like yeah.
0: she is petty and she gets her feelings hurt and she <laughs> like I believe she could love someone. I just don't know that that would mean the same thing that it would mean to like a normal person.
1: The other day I just uh, rewatched The Dark Knight for the first time in a while, which is probably my second favorite movie. I'm a little obsessed with it. But um that movie I thought was also really great in terms of with the Joker. For one, he's constantly lying throughout the movie. Almost anything that he says, you can't really put stock in. But you always see how he's manipulating other people.
0: Yes. And how he's
1: constantly changing tactics to manipulate other people. And Villanelle reminds me a lot of that.
0: Totally. Like, using what she knows will get to this specific person.
1: Precisely. Yeah. And, and just how much she kept doubling... Like, kept making a moment out of any time uh, Diego was condescending to Nadia mm-hmm. and just trying to get that wedge in there. Totally. Like
0: connecting with Nadia mm-hmm. to be like, I see that. I see that. Yeah. You can't pretend it didn't happen. Cause now there's a third party witnessing it.
1: Exactly. Oof. I love that. Uh, yeah, no, nah, I, I like the relationship a lot. I, I think I have an answer now. It's right. very short, but I did love Eve and, um, Carolyn's scene mm-hmm. in the butchers. Yeah. Uh, because, I don't know. I, just, I love the character of Carolyn, for one. Fiona Shaw's amazing.
0: Oh, she's
1: so good. Um, she makes
0: what could, be, again, be a boring role so interesting and layered and human.
1: Because we've seen so many times, like, the 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 tough older woman who's risen through the ranks, you know, battled her way up, and she's at the top now. And that's a character that's very easy to be one-dimensional. And with her, I just feel like there's so much color to it. And you feel like—I'm I'm watching a person who's not just done that, but, like, lived a life—
0: Totally, which as the series progresses and we learn all these secrets and all these mm-hmm. twists about this character, it just like fills it out so much more.
1: Absolutely. It doesn't feel
0: like it's coming out of nowhere.
1: And I love that we're com- we're seeing their relationship at a point because she's really kind of almost been like Eve's patron up until this point. Like She's like, I see how talented you are. I see how you are being ignored in your original intelligence job and yeah. I'm pulling you out for this thing. But now she's gotten someone killed mm-hmm. in Germany and she's like... I'm i i am not ready to throw in the towel on you. Mm-hmm. Like, this is, you know, it's, it's spycraft and it's kind of how it goes, but I'm mad at you. Yeah. Like, I'm annoyed. This when, was
0: supposed to be a covert op and you have now done something that's kind of, like, fucked with that.
1: Exactly. And she's like, I... When, she, when Eve is doing her long rambling, like, and then we track the money and then we do this. <laughs> and she's just so over it. She's like, no, just get to the end now. Yeah. Because I'm kind of annoyed with you.
0: Totally. But I
1: know you're good at your job, so I'm not going to, like... Do the dumb thing of like, you're off the case. It
0: feels very like, I see a lot of myself in you, so I'm gonna like, absolutely. Which is
1: also like, but I don't want to put up with you right now because (laughs) what's that thing Tina Fey said when she was head writer on SNL? A lot of it's about a lot of working with uh, writers under you is like tamping down enthusiasm. (laughs) And it sometimes she feels like Carolyn kind of has to do that with Eve. A
0: hundred percent. She has to get the fangirl out and remind her like, you're a real spy now. This is real.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And I like how Eve can't turn that off, especially with Carolyn, who she's just so in awe of and always wants to impress. So good. And yeah.
0: So good. Yeah, that's a great one. Okay. We have one more top uh, for the segment, which Carol is... Carol
1: Eve is what they're called.
0: Oh, I love it. Uh, the last top is top kill slash kill count. So if I am correct... I think there are only two actual kills in this episode, yeah. which are Nadia and Diego.
1: Yes. Yep. That's it.
0: That's so interesting. And like one of those is not even a Villanelle murder. Well, kind of. I mean, psychologically. Arguably, yes. but yes.
1: I mean. I don't know. What is your second favorite Second degree kill? murder. Yes, exactly.
0: Uh, I, I mean, Nadia, for sure. The Diego yeah, yeah. one is interesting because it's kind of that mind control thing. But then the Nadia one is so shocking, so... So heartless. Yes. So cold and she seems so like pleased with herself about oh, she it. She drives
1: away and just goes, oops. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when the, the truck breaks down. Yeah. And she's so mad.
0: Oops. Oh, yeah. what a monster. Yeah, yes. I think that's the best. I think it's interesting that in such a dramatic episode, very few murders happen.
1: Yeah, no, that's very, very true. Although we're really kind of sitting in the Bill murder, so...
0: Totally. And there's that shot at the end, and we don't know what that is. Is Eve dead? Is Frank dead? Is Elena dead? Are they all dead? Like, we don't know what happens.
1: So funny, because every time you say Elena, I have to stop and remember which character that is.
0: I know. I had to look it up, too. I feel like they don't say her name very much on the show.
1: And I love Elena. Like, she's, she's a really fun, like person for Eve to bounce stuff off of. and
0: Totally. I I mean, right from the get-go from the pilot, their banter reminded me so much of, like, work friends Yes, had. absolutely. I was like, I know exactly what that relationship is. You guys aren't, like, hanging out every day after work, but mm. you're each other's, like, one of your best work friends. Oh,
1: I love Elena's line at the top, too, about, like, because Eve is just so distraught at the funeral, and she's like, this isn't affecting you? She's like, no, it's affecting me. It'll be, like, years from now, and I will just break down. <laughs>
0: It's so self-aware.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, Which is so good. Okay, on to the next segment, which is, of course, Eve mail. So (laughs) you can send in your questions, thoughts, ideas, queries about anything related to Killing Eve to spillingeve at gmail.com. Today's (laughs) question comes from Jasmine. Jasmine says, Hello. On the podcast, can you talk about your predictions of how Villanelle and Eve's next meeting is going to go? Also, maybe your thoughts on if we'll see Eve confess her feelings for Villanelle. So this massive spoilers alert, we're talking about the whole series Mm -hmm. uh, after the finale when they've had that very dramatic uh, meeting and Eve has stabbed Villanelle and they've Mm -hmm. come close to like making out. It's a whole thing. So uh, post that... How do we see the next meeting going?
1: Well, uh, just first off, because I never get to do a podcast with uh, calling questions. Uh, Hello, Jasmine. I'm <laughs> listening. Uh, it's good. We watch a lot of Frasier in our house. Um, yeah. Uh, after this, I, I wonder what their next meeting is going to be like. I got to say, I love that they didn't have them hook up in that episode. Because to me, I, I would have lost a ton of respect for Eve Pilastri if she had let herself let her guard down that much mm-hmm. with someone that we have been shown time and time again is an irredeemable psychopath. Yeah. And and I love I think it's fun to play the tension of the two of them and their fascination with each other, but I I love that the show at the end was like, no, it'd be crazy for Eve to just ignore her job and morals and everything. Yeah. To, to do this well
0: here's a question we brought this up uh, it was a question on an earlier episode but it, it's very applicable to this about queer baiting in the show mm-hmm. and uh, the question was just asking like do you think this show is doing that do you think it's trying to like hint at queer relationships to draw in the LGBTQ audience
1: I personally don't I think I mean I think that if Eve and Villanelle were just two women who met each other and Villanelle wasn't a murderer that they would for sure hook up yeah Uh, They have
0: such an attraction and a connection.
1: And I think it's genuine. I I, I really think it's there. I just think at the end of the day, the thing that will always stop that from happening is she is a horrible human being. And Eve is in law enforcement.
0: And and it's also so personal with Bill's murder. Absolutely. Which I think when I, by the time I got to the finale. Oh, and her
1: threatening Nico and threatening (laughs) her and coming to her house. Yeah.
0: The first time I watched it through, I think by the time I was at the finale, I was so swept up in it that I was like, are they gonna Are they gonna hook up? Are they gonna make out? What's happening? But I had it kind of like washed away all of the reality of those things. And I think you're totally right.
1: And I but I think that's expertly what they were trying to do. They were just trying to play that scene out so long that by the end of it, you're like, holy shit, like I could I can see this happening. And
0: Eve snapped a little bit, like she's like mm-hmm. broken all the champagne bottles yeah. and just like is there for no reason. Like mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really intense. But as far as their next meeting, I am so curious. I have no ideas. I have no predictions. My
1: guess is that Eve is going to be gunning for Villanelle at this point. That she feels like Villanelle has been one step ahead of her for too long and gotten away with so much that Eve is just going to be really mad and probably very focused and a little reckless.
0: I wonder if the next time they meet, it will just be one-on-one again. Mm-hmm. I am curious if Eve will leave herself open to that again, because it's so dangerous.
1: That's a good point. And she's
0: already done that once, and it was already very disastrous, and she let her get away.
1: And I think she also realizes that because of my palpable attraction to this other woman, I maybe shouldn't be left to my own devices. Yeah, like I
0: might not make the right decisions. Exactly. Totally. But who knows? Maybe that will be very dramatic if the two of them End up being alone. Oh, I'm Villanelle sure find... figure it yes. out.
1: They'll make the dramatic choice for sure. But yeah. Uh,
0: as far as like confessing her feelings, I don't think. I think Eve got as vulnerable as she's going to get with Villanelle, at least for the next long while. Sure. And it ended terribly. And I think she will be <laughs> hyper guarded now. Absolutely. I don't, I don't think she's going to be going to her being like, yeah, sometimes I do think about you, and I think you're pretty. Like, I don't see that <laughs> happening at all. Right. <laughs> Uh, Although that'd be a very different uh, turn for the show to take.
1: That would be a very, very different turn.
0: Uh, Let us know what you guys think. If you have any predictions, send them in, tweet them at us. I would love to hear those. And if any come true, you're a genius and you can brag about it forever.
1: Uh, I also suspect they'll probably uh, delay it for a while. I think we got a lot of Villanelle and Eve in the same room in that finale. And I think it'll be at least a few episodes into the second season before we really see them.
0: Totally. As someone who's written on shows that have these kind of like relationships and dramatic arcs, like how do you, how do you, uh, see stretching out a story versus making a story, like giving a story it's due?
1: I think especially nowadays, like you, you were talking earlier about binging stuff where, uh, it can be a real danger to try and stretch it out for too long because it's so much more apparent now when you're doing that, mm-hmm. when people are watching episode to episode and you really start to realize like, Oh, that's wheel spinning. Yeah. So I think you kind of have to, at some point, if, if you need them to get together, you just have to give in and do it and trust that you'll find something more fun on the end on the other side. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause there's no virtue in delaying stuff till the point that you thought you should have it happen. Totally. We did that on Degrassi a couple of times where my boss, Sarah, she was the showrunner and she would be like, we have this plot point set for episode 10 and it's starting to feel like it makes sense in episode seven. So fuck it. It's an episode seven now and we're just going to have to find more stuff after.
0: Totally. I mean, I think, and this show we, we've we kind of touched on, it does that. Like they it really they does. put so much into the this first season, another show that's so different, but similarly did that, I think, is The Good Place. I
1: thought you were going to say The Good Place. That's they, right. Yeah. They,
0: uh, even their first season, I was like, whoa, why'd they give us that reveal so fast? And then the like, second season... So much more, and they give us give away so much, and totally change the entire format of the show. (laughs) I guess almost
1: every episode of the second season, I'm like, oh, this is how they've rebooted the show now, and then they throw it away, and the next episode is the different one.
0: I just thought, I just kept thinking, like they could have made this a whole season or eight episodes, but they don't need to, Mm -hmm. and I I don't know if it. Is that intentional? Like we know people want more things to happen or they just had so much story and so many ideas to tell. But I I am drawn to both of those so Mm -hmm. much as a writer. It terrifies me because I think like, oh my God, yeah, so much work. And then you have to like somehow rebuild those tensions Mm -hmm. or uh, new tensions and new stories.
1: Like with a show like this, where it's just like, oh, we're going to tell a cool, sexy story between two women on opposite sides of this international spy game. And I'm like, oh, that's a good enough idea for a bunch. I don't want to come up with a better idea than that. And almost every two episodes or so, they reset yep. the relationship. They're
0: like, now something's different. Yep. And now this person's dead. And now there's a new player. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's a lot. But it's it's very good.
1: Yeah, I could gush for hours about how much I love this show and how jealous I am about
0: it. Me too. That was the first thing I said when I watched this was just like, I am so mad. I'm not good enough to create this yet because I, the, for me, the marrying of this genre with these incredible, interesting female characters Mm -hmm. who are so flawed and so messed up, Mm -hmm. but still like very, very interesting with all the comedic dialogue and the witty banter and the levity Mm -hmm. is something I don't feel like I've seen.
1: It's, it's one of those shows too that I watch and, uh, I hope I don't say this stupidly. Um, Everything I watch on it, I'm like, that was so obviously written by a woman. I never would have thought to make that choice. And I love that shows like this are getting a chance to breathe now.
0: A hundred percent. Uh, there was a listener question in a previous episode about uh, do you think, what do you think about this show being out like at this time? Do mm-hmm. you think the show would have been made before? Or would it be the same? And I think that's a really hard question to just uh, theorize on. Sure. But there is something very special about the wake of like women in Hollywood being given this platform and like demanding a platform. For sure. And this show being so female driven. Yes. Both. For performances and show running.
1: Because in a lot of ways, like, I can picture the more conventional version of this show that would have come out, like, five or ten years ago. mm mm-hmm. um, And, you know, it would have been cool. Uh, but I feel like, you know, nuts and bolts, this story is cat and mouse game between intelligence officer and, and spy. spy, yeah. Like, we've seen that a million times, and yet this show feels so unendingly fresh and original and interesting just because... Phoebe Waller-Bridge gets to lend a ton of her voice to it.
0: Which is truly, and I'm I'm so curious, you have to watch the show and let me know how I felt about Fleabag. Yeah. I was like, this show shouldn't feel new because on paper it's not, mm-hmm. but it felt so fresh and original and interesting because of that voice. And
1: that's definitely the kind of thing you see with like a creator like her who's now onto her third series where she can largely be like, I've got an idea for a show, or actually no, these were a series of novels that she got to adapt. Yes, yeah. And for them to be like okay, these novels are cool. Uh, we're going to get her to adapt it and just trust that her voice is going to flesh out enough to make this original. Totally. I really did. And
0: interestingly, like the books were written by a male author. Oh, really? A lot of the directors on this TV show are men. Okay. So it's a it's a very interesting kind of dynamic. I have not read the books. Mm. I'm begging listeners to tell me what they're like and tell me everything so I don't have to. Wow, yeah. Uh, I'm
1: very curious if they're this interesting.
0: Yeah, and and I just assume they're not as funny. Because why would they Yeah,
1: if, and, Yeah, if you're going to hire Phoebe Waller-Bridge, I assume she's there to bring the comedy.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would think so. But it's great. Uh, Jasmine, thank you so much for your questions. Uh, that brings us to our uh, final segment of the show, which is, of course, Confirm the Kill, a.k.a. Plugs. Ian. Oh, shit. Where can people
1: um, follow oh, your career? Uh, at the moment, I'm uh, still writing uh, for the Beaverton website. Um, and, The uh, Beaverton,
0: in case people don't know, is a Canadian satire. Oh,
1: yes, I Conglomerate,
0: <laughs> that's a website, a TV show that we worked on.
1: It is our Canadian shameless ripoff of The Onion, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we do stuff there, and, uh, I'm writing down some cartoon shows and some different stuff right now, and, uh, got some stuff in development, and...
0: So exciting. Um, Where can they... Actually, b- you know what?
1: You know, anyway. Oh, what? Um, oh, no, 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 no. I, I, I shouldn't say in development, stuff that I am developing.
0: Let's say uh, in I development. Want to be accurate. We'll put it out there. In development. You hear uh, that, network execs? Uh, where can they find you on Twitter?
1: Oh, uh, I'm at uh, at Mister Ian McIntyre dot com or not dot com. Mister Ian McIntyre. <laughs> um, if my Twitter account is up, because I often uh, deactivate it because I don't get work done when it's uh, open.
0: But I like that you come back.
1: I try to. I, well, as someone who's addicted to social media, it's
0: very oh validating God. to me.
1: I do. I can't not, especially because I just feel like. Work-wise or industry-wise, so many people I keep in touch with, I do through Twitter. But at the same time, I recognize that if I have work to do and Twitter is there, I'll lose hours to it a day. It's
0: a really hard balance. I just signed with a new agent and we were Twitter friends for like a year before we ever met. Really? But also, I have scripts that I am late on deadlines on because I am on Twitter 24-7. No, I want to ask you about that. Uh, You can follow the show, Spilling Eve, at Spilling Eve on Twitter and Instagram. Waste all your time with us. Send us your fan art. Thank you to those of you who have already sent stuff in. That's uh, remarkable. So exciting. Send us your questions. Send us anything you want to read on the show. If you are at all involved with the show, I want to hear it. I've seen a lot of people posting who have been background on Spilling (laughs) Eve. Yes, tell me your whole life story.
1: I want to know how their budget works for uh, location shooting.
0: That's a great question. Every
1: time watching, like, it feels so expensive. And I want to know how much they are actually going to these other countries and how much they're not. How much of that is, like, just second unit that's dropped in perfectly to make it feel really big. Totally. Because uh, it, it just feels like a show that's shot all over Europe and Russia.
0: It's very effective. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah, great. So if you have anything, uh, let us know. Thank you all so much for listening, and uh, we will see you next week. Bye.
1: Bye -bye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network.
0: (laughs) Sonar!